Hello, everybody. Welcome to Pursuit of Relentless podcast. You've got your host, Elena. And today I have one of my Arte brothers with me. I'm so excited to have him tell his story to you guys and his journey through entrepreneurship. Joe Peebles, welcome to the show. Hey, Elena. How are you? Great, man. Feeling good. Well, minus the sniffles, you guys will have to. This is what I call my sexy phlegm voice, as Uh Ephraim friends would say. Yeah, so... It's been a really great start to the morning. I was reading uh, Jenna Kutcher's book this morning, How Are You Really? Give her a little plug right there. Such a good book. Uh, And it's just digging into like life. So yeah, started out with my walk and then I'm here. I'm like, yeah, get some water, have a coffee. It's awesome. But um, so tell us about yourself. I know you're an army vet and a podcaster. uh, So yeah, tell us your story. How'd you get started in entrepreneurship? Um, you know, I I can take it back pretty far, in all honesty. Um, but we'll we'll probably start out with uh uh dude, I was uh I've always been a both feet in type of person. I didn't realize it until later in life, until recently, really. Uh within the last couple five, maybe five years, I've realized that's what that's that's my problem, I guess, is what it is. Um, but you know, ever since I was a kid, if I if I believed something, I was one hundred percent in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents were uh, missionaries, and so they took wow. us to Samoa when I was a kid. I was a, I was an army brat, so we were traveling all over the place. Um, my dad was stationed everywhere, so we went and did that for a long time. And then when they got done with that. My 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 dad got out and started a lawn care business and was doing lawn care door to door. This is before email and before cell phones and for all this stuff. And so me and my dad, I was I would get off of school. My dad would pick me up and we'd hop in the truck and drive to a neighborhood and hit every mailbox down the street, putting in. You couldn't put it in the mailbox because you'd go to jail. <laughs> so you put it on the side of the mailbox huh. and you hit every house in the neighborhood. We'd hit like four or five neighborhoods a day. And my dad was probably hitting neighborhoods during the day while I was while I was not. And he was also cutting grass and my mom worked with them. Um, they didn't do amazing, but they did really good. They, they provided really well for us. And I didn't realize how good we had it. But we lived in the suburbs with a two story house, you know, and and uh, with a nice big backyard and you know, friends around. And, uh, so my dad, my dad really kind of paved the way for my work ethic. And I saw that if you want anything in life, you really got to work for it. Uh, even though I didn't see my dad much, uh, and I blamed him a lot when I got older or, you know, you're, you're always gone and all this stuff. I was mad at him in my teenage years, uh, because he was always gone, but I I get it now, you know, I get it. He was, he was, you got to do what you got to do. You can't, you can't eat if you don't make money. And, uh, you know, money, money is key. You can't do anything without it. Uh, not, not in America anyways. You know, I I know that for sure. You can't, you can't have a a house over your head or food on the table unless you got some green in your pocket. And so, um, my dad did that. And then they, my mom and dad decided that they wanted to move to Samoa as missionaries. My mom is Samoan. Um, and so we moved to Samoa when I was about fifth grade. Um, and we went from elect- electricity and game gear and, and game boys to out in a hut, you know, uh, with no electricity, you know, and, and cooking outside in, in a, in a, in another hut 
with the right. with the bathroom outside and living on a plantation type stuff. And uh, that was a huge culture shock for me. But I met a bunch of kids that were a little older than me, probably probably two or three years older than me. But, man, they were on fire for God. Right. And they were they were uh, evangelical, Pentecostal, Assembly of God dudes that go out and preach and give you the tracks. Those guys you see out there standing on the box. These were those guys. Mm -hmm. And I thought, that's cool. I thought, man, these guys are really doing something amazing. And uh, I jumped right in it, man. My parents were missionaries, but I wasn't a believer at that time, you know, like not like that. Uh, but these kids, like, they made it seem cool to me, and it wasn't my parents shoving it down my throat. Mm -hmm. um, and so I joined up with these guys, and we went door to door to houses, and we would preach, and, you know, little... <laughs> I don't know, a, a little eight-year-old coming up to a grown-up's door and saying, you need God in your life, uh, probably doesn't make sense to a lot of people. But, man, it made sense to me at the time. And I thought I knew everything. And I knew that I had full faith. You know, I was both feet in, like I said. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there was a – I did that for about four or five years, man. We'd have church Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, meet up and go do some evangelical stuff and then come back and have a little bit of church. And then Sunday had two services. So – we had church every day after school. We were there. Um, we were in it. And uh, uh, when I was like 14, maybe 13 or 14, uh, I ended up getting kicked out of the church for something that was stupid, irrelevant. Um, and uh, my whole peer group disappeared from me immediately. Yep. Uh, and at that moment, I decided to be the absolute if I, you know, I was like, man, I've been trying to please all these people and make God happy my whole life at, you know, 14 year old, uh, man, I, you know, I'm so mad at everybody. You know, what? if, if that's, if that's what they wanted me to do and this is how it turns out and, and people are just going to drop you, then screw everybody. I'm going to be the worst fucking person I can be. Mm -hmm. And so like, I wanted to be Pe Pablo Escobar at that point, you know, I to be <laughs> You know, if it was bad, if it was considered evil, I wanted it. And and I and I did damn good at it too. I got I got addicted to to crystal methamphetamines um really quick around 14 oh, and uh just started smoking that like crazy and selling it to everybody that I could uh so that I could buy more. Um and uh I guess my parents, like around four years, my parents got done with Samoa and we moved to Hawaii. And you would think that that would be a great move for a little drug addict kid. Um, but that was not the case because there was meth all over Hawaii at the time and it was dirt cheap. And so when I got out there, uh, I remember I went to this guy and I gave him 20 bucks thinking I wasn't going to get anything from it. And this guy came back with more dope than I had ever seen in my life. And, um, uh, and I, I, I immediately was just so excited because this was my, this was everything that I lived for at the time. Uh, I ran away, lived in a dumpster and was doing that at 17, you know, uh, running around the big Island of Hawaii, uh, just causing trouble, wreaking havoc and pillaging, uh, stealing, stealing everything I could steal. And, you know, luckily I never got caught, you know, and never, never got arrested or anything like that but i had a bad record you know um and i wasn't a great person but uh we ended up moving back to the states and and uh there was no there was no methamphetamines here 
at that time. In fact, people would look at me. I go up, hey man, you got some of this? You know, they they dealt everything that you could deal, and I would say, hey man, do you got this? And they're like, get the hell out of my house. You know, get the hell away from us. We don't want you around here. And so I cold turkey quit there uh, forcibly. I went through detox in my house with my parents. My parents didn't know what I was in the room uh, going through detox for a couple of weeks. Uh, and then spent after I got done with it, I was like, oh, I don't <laughs> I don't want to go through that again. Uh-huh. It's through the detox alone. Uh, but I was still very much in a very bad mindset, uh, just ready to. And, but also like realizing, hey, man, uh, you're 18. You're about to get your house. What are you going to do for the rest of your life? At that point, I didn't even have like uh, any dreams or aspirations or anything in my life. I, I figured I'd be dead by 20. You know, I didn't I didn't think I'd live past my 20s. Um, and so I just YOLO, you know, <laughs> you only live once. Yeah. Let's get after it. I'm going to go party until I die. Um, but I did know I needed some money. My parents put me in a there was a volunteer school that you could go to a military boot camp and you could get your GED. It was a five month program. Uh, they basically put you through hell week for five months with Marine cadre yelling at you, the all miners, you know, cussing you out, making you do pushups and dragging you through the mud, making you run and do all that stuff. It's just beating the crap out of you. Really not, not physically, but, but physically. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and during that time you had to do schooling and stuff like that and, and prepare for your GED courses and stuff like that. Uh, and I was there for four months and two weeks and I got caught smoking a cigarette, which was not allowed. First of all, it was a minor. Second of all, it was against the rules. Um, and so I got kicked out. <laughs> and so all that hard work for the four and a half months down the drain, the whole time I was in there, uh, I had a little hustle going on. I was selling candy bars because you couldn't get candy. And so I'd sell you a king size Snicker bar for 15 bucks. And I'd sell you a Tootsie, I'd sell you a Tootsie Pop for a dollar. And I say, you, uh, but yeah, so we were just hustling candy. I had like a whole little thing. I'd walk around and I'd hustle candy. We'd make 150, 200 bucks. And uh, there was a guy supplying me with it. And so we we're just passing it through. I didn't realize that, but that's pretty funny. We were hustling hard. We were hustling M&Ms. Uh, but um, <clears throat> so I got booted, right? Yeah. Um, all my fault. And uh, they gave me a chance to come back. And so I was out for a couple of weeks. And then I had to start over and do the whole five months again from scratch. Wow. And it was a little worse because the dudes knew me already. So first thing they did was like, oh, you gained 50 pounds. What'd you do? Eat eat your predecessor? You know, like, <laughs> did you come? You know, like they're just, I got heavy and they just, they just mocked me the whole time and, and gave me a lot more crap because they already knew me. But they they also, I think they saw some potential in me and, and they, they, they brought it out of me. Mm-hmm. And, and at that point I was like, you know, I can play this game. Yeah. You know, I can, and that's really all it's been to me this whole time. Life is a game. There's some rules that you got to follow, you know, and if you follow those rules and follow these procedures, life will be good for you no matter what, just follow the procedure. And so I played the part, you know what I'm saying? I, uh, I was really good at, uh, manipulation at the time. And so I played the part. I was a goody two shoes up in front of all the cadre and took care of stuff. And on the backside, I was a, you know, my dark side would come out and I'd be hustling and doing whatever, smoking and, doing all this stuff. And I played that game really, really damn good. And uh, got to a point where you couldn't tell, you know, all of my superiors thought I was amazing and everybody else knew they didn't fuck with me. You know what I'm saying? And so um, I thought that was, I thought that's the way that the game was played. 
Um, I was wrong that the game is played like that, but that's how I played my game. Anyways, like I graduated from that. And at that time, uh, I didn't know what I was going to do for money. My parents were like pushing the military down my throat since I was a kid. I really didn't want to do it. September 11th happened. Um, and I remember crying the next day. I was probably I was probably 15 or 16 because I figured I'd be drafted because they were talking about bringing back the draft. And I was like, I don't want to go to war and die. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so, yeah, I, I uh, at, at that point, I had kind of been like, you know what? I can do the military. We can do that. We're in war, but whatever. Uh, I, I'd like to serve my country anyways. I, I think that in my blood runs warrior blood. I'm Samoan and Scottish and a little bit of redneck. And yeah. so fighters, you know, uh, so um I, I think it runs in my veins. I think I was born to fight. You know, I think I, that was something I was born to do, destined to do, is be in a combat zone. Um, and I enjoyed it and I thrived in it. Mm-hmm. And so I joined the military, met my wife just before that, and uh, went to Afghanistan, did that whole thing for a couple of years. I was a door gunner in the military, uh, worked on helicopters, and I started learning aviation and I got really hooked. Um uh, just working in on helicopters and, and watching these magnificent machines not tear themselves apart and actually fly, right. you know, and fly around and do some awesome stuff. And then after I was working on them, I got transitioned into being a door gunner on them. And so now I was doing missions on them, understanding how useful these are, you know, just in, in a war zone period and um, how how to maintain those well enough to keep us alive. You know, and so uh, really learned a lot there, learned a lot about life, learned a lot about um, people, learned a lot about myself, lost some friends um, and really grew up in Afghanistan. Uh, I came back to the States. I dealt with PTSD. Me and my my then wife um, went through a lot of we had a, a three year old and then we ended up getting divorced. Um, because I couldn't deal with anything. We had kind of grown apart. Uh, I, I really was a terrible husband at the time and a father. I couldn't, I couldn't really uh, give them what they needed from, from me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know it. I thought I was doing everything I could, but really I was just sitting outside working on my motorcycle the whole time because I was dealing with it in my head and I didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we ended up getting divorced. And I went through a huge spiral of emotion. Uh, I wasn't on drugs anymore, but I started drinking. And I had been drinking the entire time. That's kind of the kind of the military way is to drink until, you know, your other friends drink anymore and then drink a little more. So that's how we were doing it. And uh, I really got in into drinking. I was drinking before, drinking at lunch, drinking after work until I fell asleep. And then I'd wake up the next day and do it. I was super depressed, didn't realize that's that's what was going on. And uh since me and my wife got divorced and I didn't want to have anything to do with that, I uh I ran away. I got a job in Afghanistan, you know, a uh, civilian job I got and I went back and I felt super comfortable there, you know. It's easy to live in Afghanistan or in a war zone because all you gotta worry about is staying alive. You don't have to worry about a cell phone bill, you don't have to worry about the water blowing up, you don't have to worry about none of that, you know. You go to sleep, you wake up, you live, you go back to sleep, you wake up, you live. That's it. And so I really 
enjoyed that and the no other responsibility thing, but I was running away from my responsibilities in life. And I was running away from a shell that I had created of myself. Uh, I stayed there for a couple of years and really learned my trade, dug deep into my aviation uh, training, learned as much as I could about helicopters and the teams that I worked with were fucking amazing. Like they were so good. And so they they really like inspired me to get really damn good because I thought I knew a lot when I got out of the military about helicopters and these guys were just running circles around me. So really latched onto them, did that for a long time. Um, and then I went back to the States and landed a job working on private jets, uh, building G650s down in, in Savannah, Georgia. And uh, if you don't know what that is, it's a mid cabin jet. Um, it's about 10 to 18 people and it's the one of the fastest ones on the planet so i went from helicopters to like the coolest jet on the planet mm -hmm. that's the one right behind me um it. so at least i you know i feel like it's pretty cool uh <laughs> but uh so we started doing that and we were building so i learned the the inside guts of airplanes from from taking nothing and putting it all together like a lego set and now you have an airplane so we had zero, you know, we built it from scratch. It was really cool, really amazing process to learn. Um, and in that, I was there for five years, learned a lot, uh, ended up losing my job um, <laughs> uh, for smoking weed and uh, shit, you know, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> uh, I jumped I jumped in another uh, another job soon after that, uh, got clean from that and, and uh Jumped on another job working on helicopters, EMS all over the U.S., fixing helicopters on top of any hospital that it was broken on. And that was a lot of fun. Um, and then I just kind of bounced around between air jet jobs and helicopter jobs for a couple of years. And I started to get super unfulfilled with all of it. And uh, I was I was always hustling on the side. During this whole time, I had a, a woodworking business, and I hate woodwork, and that's why I don't do it anymore. Um, I had a courier business that failed because I thought I was going to sell just because I had a name, Joe Peebles, and I knew a lot of people and right. I thought that they would buy my service. That didn't work because I didn't sell, advertise or market any of that. Um, but I learned a lot. I had like five businesses that I kind of started up as a side hustle. And at the same time, I'm working three or four full-time jobs, no part-time jobs here. Um, and and I was just burnt the hell out. You work in three mm -hmm. jobs. We got three kids. You know, we got, uh, I'll never see my family, never see anybody. Um, and I'm, and I'm starting, uh, jobs at the same, like starting a, a business at the same time. Um, I was super burnt out and I found Andy Frisella on, on, uh, on a podcast and I listened to him and changed my fucking world uh, uh, i agree yeah like, oh there are humans out there like me you know i'm like oh yeah he's a little more hardcore yeah. than i am for sure but i'm like oh you're my people for real you know mm -hmm. and he you get me like yeah. somebody gets me i'm there's not something wrong with me this is just okay. this is just me you know um and because everybody was telling me this whole time like do you need to slow down and i probably do you know what I'm saying? I don't know. You know, I, I need to prioritize more shit like my family and my kids, yeah. but slow down, maybe not so much. Uh, but uh, 
you know, listening to him, the, he did a program called 75 Hard. I'm sure you've talked about it. Many um, times. I did 75 life. Hard. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, uh, until then, I've never kept a promise to myself. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think I actually had. Um, I had made small plans and small goals and stuff like that, but I never actually kept, you know, I'd go to the gym, start for a week or two, you know, and then I would just fizzle out, you know, and give myself an excuse in and out. Oh, my back hurts. You know, I'm feeling good. I already lost 10 pounds, you know, whatever, whatever excuse I gave myself to not be consistent with it. And not only that, like just a lot of other stuff, you know, where I was slacking off in my career or in my business or, you know, just all, all kinds of stuff. So I did 75 hard. It took me like 130 days to finish. No way. Yeah, I failed. I failed for so many times. <laughs> I don't I even failed, know. I failed four times. Yeah, On like I, day 60. Ooh. Like, Fuck. <laughs> yeah. So mad. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I, that damn picture got me a couple times. Yeah, um, that's exactly what I failed for. <laughs> yeah. I took the photo. It, my friend got married, and I, like, didn't drink at the wedding, ate super clean, like, did all my stuff, got home at, like, 1 in the morning. And I looked back, and I was like, I can't remember if I took my progress picture. And then I looked, bro. and it was, like, <laughs> that date. And I was like, yeah. yeah, totally did it today. And then it was actually for the day before. And then I was yep. like, no, <laughs> no, yeah, start all over. And I was like, I could have drank last night, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right? I could have. <laughs> I was at a party, right? Free beer. I'm like, oh man, dang. Yeah. But I'd start over. Yeah, and and you did, mm -hmm. and that's why that's why it changed your fucking life. Yeah, in all honesty, because hundred percent. So many people tell me, bro, you just you just didn't drink the water. You know, or right. you just didn't take your picture. You're on day 38. What are you doing, bro? Why are you doing that? Nobody's going to know. <laughs> you know, they would tell me that. Uh -huh. and, I'm going to know. You know, <laughs> you know. Even, my, even my family would tell me that. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Um, so, so anyways, I got through the program, which was, I didn't even realize I was on, on day 75. I thought it was day 74. And I was walking around because I didn't use the app. I was writing all this shit out. <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, I had missed day 74 logging my stuff. And so day 75 comes around and I'm on my second exercise and that's all I had to do. I read, did everything. And I was just walking and I, I was doing like a daily post thing and I was sitting there like day 74 guys, blah, 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 blah. And I realized it. And the amount of pride that I felt in myself, that moment when I realized it's actually day 75 today. Holy shit. I did this. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, holy shit. I did not. I did not fail. I, I made fail it. myself. Uh, right. I, I kept my word to me. That shit. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just poof, pr propelled me beyond. Like now, now I, I am, I am 100% confident. I can do any fucking thing I put my mind to. Have and you done I the part yet? No, I haven't. Oh. Um, I didn't find out about Live Hard until after the second time I finished 75 Hard. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, oh, maybe I need to try and incorporate that. Um, I was going to do it this year. I started 75 Hard December 31st, and I pulled a tendon. I, I popped a tendon in my right calf January 1st. And so I, I'd been out. I'm, I'm in recovery now. Mm -hmm. 
once that's healed up, I'll probably hop on it. But yeah, now yeah. I now I just use seventy five hard as a tool. If I'm feeling a little foggy, I need some I need some clarity. Uh, I hop on seventy five hard immediately. Like it's not even a question at this point. I even if I know I'm not gonna like even if I think that it's not really gonna help me, uh, or I even if I have a doubt that I'm gonna finish it. I start that shit right away and I just move because I know that in 10 days, I'm going to be a lot more clear about shit. Uh-huh. You know, I'm going to be a lot more focused on what I'm doing. And so it's just, it's a t- tool for me now to keep my clarity. Uh-huh. Um, Live hard is yeah. epic. Say what? Well, live oh, hard is yeah. next level. Like I, so I did live hard last year and had two miscarriages in the process of finishing live hard. Uh-huh. And like my first one, I was not okay mentally. Mm-mm. It was bad uh, because I lost it on day six of phase two. And then oh. I was just like, fuck. And so that was in October of 2021. And then I started again in January, finished phase one. And then I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm going to be fine. I got to take the 30 day break. And then I found out I was pregnant again. And I was like, well, I probably shouldn't do this, you know? And so when I lost the second one, I finished uh, phase three and I was like, fuck it. I'm taking my power back because I was just in such a rut and like such a bad mental state that I was like, what can I do to pull myself out of this? You know, I was not, I was not in a good place. I was not being a good leader. I was, you know, doing some stuff that I wasn't proud of, like smoking too much pot or drinking too much alcohol or eating so many candy bars. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> this is bad. And so I was like, fuck it. I'm going to take my power back and just go, okay, well, what can I do? Finish 75 hard. I said, this is my story now. Like yeah. you're going to finish it. And then you're going to realize that you're a fucking badass and that you deserve to win because you're doing the hard stuff that no one can even fathom. No one can fathom the fact that you're doing what you're doing. And then they're yeah. like, you're a superhuman. I'm like, no, I'm just disciplined. That's you know? it. Yeah. And so I think when you're, when you're in the grind and you're, you're frustrated and you're struggling through it, that's the moments when you're learning. That's the moments when you're solidifying that identity for yourself. And you're just going, Hey, this is what I've done. This is what I've accomplished. And it doesn't matter what you think. I know internally that that, gives me the confidence to continue to move forward. And uh, it really does give you that clarity and that shift in mindset uh, and that belief in yourself. Like you were talking about earlier, a hundred percent belief, you know, and it does work every single time. So today I got up, I did my walk, I did my reading, you know, I got my water. I had some decaf coffee, Um, but it's just living that lifestyle. Like you said, running that success system uh, is so important. I don't know. Absolutely. I totally cut you off on your story. Though. No, you're cool. I know where we're at. So don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so actually in, in 75 hard, my first, my first go around, I, I had three full-time jobs and I was running my business. Um, uh, day 28, I quit all my three jobs. I called every one of those fuckers and said, <laughs> I'm done. This is my two week notice. And, uh, most of them told me they weren't going to pay me my last two weeks. I was like, well, then this is my last day, you know, and uh, quit all the jobs. 
and it was just me and my Prius with uh, <laughs> with a couple of nitrogen bottles and oxygen bottles and a bag of tools and uh, chasing airplanes around. I had already started, you know, it was my side hustle for a while, so I had already gotten a good customer base listening to uh, Andy, and then there's a couple people before that that I listened to called the Real Business Owners Podcast. Uh, I found them around episode eight or nine, Trevor Kale. And, um, dang, I can't remember the other guy's name. This sucks. Sorry. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, so these guys on the real business owners, they were Arte as well. Um, and they talked about Arte and they talked about Ed and Andy. And, and, uh, I think I found them around episode nine and I followed them to about episode 100 and wow. they were my mentors, literally free mentorship on business and business mindset and how business works. Um, they have five businesses. And so I was like, man, these guys are going to teach me. So I was driving around in my car, you know, chasing airplanes all across the East coast of America and, uh, listening to these two dudes while I'm driving. And that was it. And, and Andy, you know, I found Andy and started listening to him. And, um, and then I, I didn't even know who Ed Milet was until I found Arte. Right. Oh, and, yeah. And man, what a phenomenal speaker and Probably. awesome soul as well. Mm -hmm. uh he's like the yin to the yang yes right? that's exactly and, it um, and so him coming in and showing me how to be empathetic and that uh it's okay to be like and, and ed and andy taught me that it's okay to be a good dude yeah you don't have to be an asshole to make it mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying i thought you had to be an asshole to make it until then yeah and i thought yeah. i would never make it because i'm a good dude right and so i pretended to be this asshole all of my teenage years because some church kicked me out and then I pre pretended to be some asshole when I got back from Afghanistan. And I, and I thought that's what, what you had to be. Um, right. you had to put that, that game, that game face playing this game here. Uh, and that was the game is you go in and, uh, you, you handle your business, but you got to be an asshole to do it. Listening to these guys, you could, you can, you can be perceived as, as an asshole, still be a good dude. Yeah. Uh, and so, Listening to these guys, they really changed my life, and my business started picking up, and I and I had a couple customers, and uh, man, I really didn't know what I was going to do. I, and, and I'm not, I'm a blue collar guy. I'll, I work with my hands. I don't know shit about business. I don't know shit about bank accounts. I I, I can barely handle my own damn bank account, you know. Um, and so like I'm trying to figure all this crap out and understand what it is, and and I'm still busy, still mm -hmm. burnt out, still busy as hell because now instead. Instead of working for a company, I'm working for myself and I ain't got no work. <laughs> so that means I'm out trying to freaking make money. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not still not seeing my family or any of this. I'm trying to figure it all out and make it all work together using 75 hard, implementing tools I learned from that. I started implementing family time into my day using the power list, mm -hmm. you know, and then stuff that Ed, Ed was teaching us, like, you know, leaving my phone in my car, you know, when I get home, taking that, to, taking those little notes and, 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 you know, for 30 minutes, I leave my, my phone in my car so that I don't I don't look at it when I first get home. Yeah. My kids yeah. and my wife get 100% Joe, just like my work would. And I, and I, and I realized I give 110% at work and I give my family the leftovers. Whenever I come home, they see an asshole, you know, a mad, dis disrupted person who's pissed off about work and grumpy that the house isn't clean or whatever, whatever shit that I would come home with. And they don't deserve that. In fact, they should probably have way better than what you give at work. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, and so 
you know, I, I always wanted to be a family guy. And when I'm with my family, I'm an asshole. What the hell? So yeah, I learned a bunch of shit uh, there, but start starting the business and, and going around meeting all types of people, you know, just saying, Hey, what's up? I'm here to fix your airplane. If you got something, you know, and then meeting everybody at the airport, that was, that's what I did. I met everybody else at the airport, the guys that didn't have airplanes, the guys that, um, the guys that were, you know, servicing the toilets for the, for the airplanes and moving bags for people. Those are the guys I want to talk to. I'd go buy them all lunch. I go say, Hey man, how's it going? And I just bring some light to them. Cause we just get, get treated like shit and they get, you know, the, the people come off the plane, they just throw them a couple of dollars and get out of my way, go get my bags type stuff. Not everybody's like that, but there's a lot of people like that, mm-hmm. you know, um, and these guys get the the whole litter, you know, if it's not a bad, if it's not a bad customer, then it's a, an asshole pilot. If it's not an asshole pilot, it's some, somebody who's just got to stick up their ass today, mm-hmm. you know, and those guys to get the brunt of it. Cause who's this guy? So I really catered to those guys in relationship really built that relationship with them and started offering them referral fees. You know, Hey, if a jet comes here and they're broke, if you tell the customer that they can call me, I'll give you a hundred bucks type deal. And I started getting calls from referrals from these guys. And, and, uh, man, we started getting a lot of calls and, um, now I was way too busy. (laughs) I was driving, the all of my customers thought I had two or three teams running and it was literally just me. We'd have somebody in Florida I'd be working on. Then I'd get in my car and drive up to South Carolina to fix another airplane and drive to Mississippi to fix another airplane mm-hmm. and then just do the roundabout again because the jobs are three or four days. So when I get there, I'd work on it, figure out what parts are needed, get the parts in order and then book it to the next airplane. Get to that one, find out what parts are needed, order parts and then book it back to the other plane because the parts coming in. I'll fix that one. And then it was just toss and turn. But man, they thought I had a team of six to 12 people. And now I have a team of six people. And so like now it's really working out well because um, I'm able to catch more work. We have opportunity for guys. I'm changing people's lives. I'm giving them opportunity to grow, paying them very well. Uh, maybe, Maybe hopefully inspiring them to do better in life and to come out here and chase their dreams. And we're not just fixing airplanes. We're changing community. You know, we have a podcast. Uh, we're trying to inspire people to come into aviation. It's called Flight Level Zero. And we're bringing on people and just letting them tell their story about how they got into aviation. You know, because a lot of people think that this is a, a closed business. You know, there's, it's hard to get, you know, I, I don't know. It's like a pipe dream sometimes when I talk to people. They're like, oh, man, I, I wish I could. But you can, mm-hmm. you know, you can come and work with us, you know, like. The field is wide open. If you if you do bookkeeping, you can work in aviation. If you do plumbing, you can work in aviation. If you build buildings, you can work in aviation. If you re-overhaul tires, you can work in aviation. There's so much opportunity in this industry, and nobody knows about it because it's just like a posh, you know, let me wear my suit, suit and tie type deal. But it's all blue collar, and there's ton of work, and there's ton of opportunity here. And and just being around airplanes for me is inspiring. I love them. So um, I get a kick out. And, I, have an associate, and then, I have an associate on my team whose husband's a pilot. And every time I go over there, he's just like selling me the dream on what plane I need to buy and how he's going to be my personal pilot. And I'm like, I love this, man. Like, sell me the dream, you know? Let's go. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you need this plane. Yeah. And this is yeah. why. I'm like, okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> 
the most inspiring thing to me is, you know, I'll pull up to these airplanes and these airplanes are not cheap. You know, obviously, if you've got a jet, you're doing something right. You're doing a lot of work. You're putting in the work. You're getting money back. Um, but to see a single person walk off of a global 6,000, which is the cream of the crop, right? G650, one person walk off that airplane. It inspires me because if that guy can do it, I can do it. Right. You know what I'm saying? If that guy's doing it, why the hell can't I? You know? And it's possible in a single lifetime. It's happened all the time. It happens every day. There's a dude out there changing their life. And just seeing these guys come out, it just inspires me to keep pushing. You know, I want to challenge your 350 and I'm going to get one. You know what I'm saying? Like, and we're going to be flying that thing around. I'm going to come out to Alberta. We're going to be like, hey, what's up? How are you? And we're going to hang out for a little bit. We'll go, we'll go flying around. Like, I'm that's my aim right now. That is one of my big vision goals right now is to get a challenger 350. And a lot of people think I'm freaking crazy, but you know what? It's possible. And I have no doubt in my mind that it's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, <laughs> Here's I love my it. Little- <laughs> no, I love it. I love how you're talking about building relationships as well and how you're, you're focused on doing the right thing and just really going above and beyond. And I think that that is not only the Arate way, but the way that we've been coached through our mentors and not only Ed and Andy, but other mentors like you were talking about. But when you make that decision for yourself and you're like, hey, I'm going to do this regardless of the people telling me I can't, you know, the people going, oh, Lena, what are you doing? Quitting your $100,000 a year job. I said, chasing my dreams. <laughs> like, what, what, what yeah. else am I supposed to be doing? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I'm going to go do something else. I never thought I'd be a financial advisor in a million years. A. Eh? I'm smart, but I'm not that smart, you know, and I didn't see myself in this career. I'm a creative, I'm a red seal pastry chef, you know, like I thought I'd be in a completely different place. And then I show up in this business and they actually care about people and they actually want to go out and like recognize you for doing good things. And like my trophies just go to show how much they care about us. And they're just like, Hey guys, go out, do the right thing. We're going to recognize you for it. They just sent me to Mexico. They sent me to friggin' Monterey to learn from the founder of the company. I'm just sitting here going, wow, where else can you find that? You know, like people who believe in you, people who give you their personal cell phone number so that if you're struggling and you need something, you can phone them. And I'm just sitting here going, wow, that is an incredible way to build a company is on relationships and on referrals. And I love that your business was built on referrals because so is mine. And it's putting yourself out there and going, hey, I may not be perfect. I know I'm not perfect, nor will I ever be, but neither is anyone else. And it's partnering with the right people or shaking hands with the right people that will will put you in front of someone who you didn't even know you needed in your life, right? And that's a big lesson that I took away from your your conversation there um, when it comes to the podcast that you were listening to. And for me, it was meeting World Financial Group and getting introduced to Ed Milet. And then through Ed Milet, listening to the Collision of Limitless Minds podcast, which I highly suggest with Andy Frisella. And then I was like, whoa, who's this guy? Right. Listen to Andy. And then I got into Arate. And now fast forward to here. I'm like, wow, I had nothing, no belief in myself, no mentors until I met this company. And then they're like, Hey, here's an opportunity of a lifetime run with it or don't, you know? 
And then it's like, okay, well, through Arte, I wrote a book. Through Arte, I started the podcast. Through Arte, I met incredible people who are willing to help me and share their knowledge. And I love that you're here today because just being able to get people access to you is going to inspire so many people that they don't even know what they're missing, right? Until they're like, oh my gosh, did you hear that episode with Joe? <laughs> you know? I love it, man. Like, it's awesome. So for someone who's just starting out in business, who's just like, all right, I'm going to try this thing, right? I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to do what you do and quit my job. I don't suggest quitting your job before you're ready. Uh, but when you're ready, you'll, you'll know. I quit my job as a broke associate making 30 grand a year. I said, fuck it. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And I went full time with my business and it changed my life. I was like, oh, this is what freedom tastes like. You know, no one telling me that I can't go on vacation. No one telling me that this is how much money I'm worth, you know? And I was just like, no, I'm done. So I don't know any advice that you would give someone who's just getting started. Lock in. It's, it's going to be a ride. Yeah, and both feet in. That's ups and downs, and so be ready. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna start a business, I highly recommend go ahead and knock out seventy five hard. Just hop on it. Just go ahead. You might not understand the whole rules. Go look it up and do it because you're gonna need a lot more in your bucket to sustain you through those hard times. Because this shit is real. Ain't nobody out here to save you. Ain't nobody out here to protect you. There's gonna be friends out here to encourage you, but you're going to have to do the work. So if you're going to do it, get serious. Don't be messing around. Get out here and freaking act. Get on it, you know. Uh, yeah. Jump both feet in. I love know? it. That's so accurate, too. And when you take that leap of faith and you just go, hey, I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep my energy high and to continue to execute and run that success formula, you're, you, you have this feeling. I just got goosebumps. Uh, you have this feeling that you're unstoppable or like I pulled a, I do angel cards. I know it's kind of weird, but I have a deck that's a spirit animal deck. And I pulled a card one day and it was like grizzly bear indestructible. And I was like, fuck yeah, <laughs> I'm a grizzly bear. You know, I was just like reading this and it was like, whatever life throws at you, you're going to be fine. And I was like, okay. So whatever I was going through in that moment, when I just needed to connect to spirit and just go, okay, I need some reassurance here. It was like, you are indestructible. It said, focus on your heart and like loving others and building relationships. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. And it really did help me understand myself a lot more and just have more clarity around what it was going to be to uh, create this incredible life. And I'll tell you when I'm not doing 75 hard or I'm not running the success system, I have a hard time keeping my energy up. Um, I eat too much food. You know, it's just when you're regimented and you're on a plan and you're like, this is what I need to do to be successful. Why wouldn't you just try it? You know, yeah. why wouldn't you go, hey, if I make it today 38 and fail, well, too bad. I made it today 66 or 67 or something and tore my LCL. I finished yeah. it, you know, yeah. like. I just, yeah. I went swimming instead of going to the gym, you know? Hey, me too. I did that. Yeah. <laughs> well, was, I couldn't yeah. walk, right? I was like, well, right. I can't walk. So what am I going to do? <laughs> you know? Exactly what I did. <laughs> I hobbled very slowly when I was walking, but it's like, I can either let it take me down, like let life get in the way and take me down, or I can fight. 
and I can go, no, I'm better than this, you know? Yeah. And you are. Yeah. Well, and so is everyone else out there who's trying. Absolutely. So I don't know. I just, I sit there and I look at it and I'm just like, Hey, if I can do it, you can do it. Like you said, if I can do it, you can do it. And people are like, Lena, you're so crazy. Like, what are you? Yeah, man. Sometimes you have to be a little crazy. Like sometimes you have to go outside in the minus 47 to get the icicles on your eyelashes to feel like yeah. a badass because there's not one other footprint in the snow, you know? Mm. And it's in that moment that you're like, oh, I did that. And it wasn't even that bad, you know? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's That's when the confidence is built. So anyways, mm. I want people to get more access to you. We're out of time today, unfortunately. Oh, man. But okay. I definitely want, I know it's 11, <laughs> but I... I want people to get more access to you. So where can they, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn at Joe Peebles. Uh, and you can also find me on Instagram at Joe Peebles. And if you're interested in looking at what we do in aviation, we kind of just put a, a lot of fun little clips uh, on my company's uh, Instagram at JP Aerotechnics. And that's uh, J-P-A-E-R-O-T-E-C-H-N-I-C-S. Um, Love it. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thanks again for today, man. I really loved hearing your story and just the way that you execute. I love it. That's why we're in Arte together. Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, can't wait till uh, the next live. That's for sure. This uh, conversation pumped me up. I'm ready to go. Uh, <laughs> I get it. I know. I'm going to go do a recruiting appointment now. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to take some good energy into it. But awesome. Uh, thank you again for today. Guys, if you got value out of the show, which I know you did, make sure that you go and uh, follow Joe on his uh, social media. I'll post all of that stuff in the show link and um, make sure you share it with a friend, preferably someone who can uh, talk aviation with you because <laughs> it's really fun to learn what kind of airplanes you should fly and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, chase your dreams. Don't be afraid to get out there and put yourself in a challenging situation because you never know. I have a tattoo on my arm. It says, close your eyes, count to 10, hold your breath and fly. And it's all about just making that decision and sticking to it and understanding that you're going to figure it out. Like you have no choice but to figure it out when you put yourself in those situations. So I love that we got to have this conversation and I hope that we inspired a bunch of people today. So share the show, people. That's it. Signing out. 